Well, brothers and sisters, here we are. The solemnity of Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. I'm not sure we know how to really accept this solemnity, how to really get into it, partly because we're Americans. I mean, our country was founded off kicking a king out, right? Um, We don't know what it is to have a king. We really don't. A while back, I just Googled the king. Just Googled it. Guess what came up? Elvis and LeBron James. And then way down, if you scroll down, then there's Jesus, right? And, and so we don't really know what it means to have a king, but we need one. Because here's a spiritual truth, and it's critically important. Something will always rule us. Something will always rule us. So either we're ruled by God, who is the king, or something or someone else will rule us and then we'll be enslaved. And Jesus knew that. That's why the only prayer that he ever teaches to us, the only one he ever says, pray this way, includes the great and famous petition, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, if we pray and we pray at every mass, and most of you pray every day, maybe even multiple times a day, that great prayer, the Our Father, if we're praying for his kingdom to come, we're also praying for a king. We want a king. And the good news is we have one. It's just that he's a very particular kind of king. So let's get into this gospel for tonight. We have the end of it all, the final judgment, the king comes. He assumes his throne, his glorious throne, and he assembles all the nations before him and then separates them, one from the other, the sheep from the goats. It's cut and dry. Sheep on his right, goats on his left. It's a pass or fail test. And it's all based off one criterion, one And speaking of that one criterion, notice what it's not. The one thing that is necessary to enter into eternal life is mentioned, but it's not these things. How many times you went to Mass? How many rosaries you prayed? How many novenas you said? How many Bible verses you have memorized? It's none of those things. Now, on the flip side, don't just think it's like, oh, all I have to do is serve the poor. That's it, social justice. It's not that either. Here's the one criteria that you served the king. That's the one criteria to serve the king. But now, how is the king served? Because here's the thing the king is found among the poor and the destitute, hungry, the thirsty, the sick, those imprisoned, those who need shelter. That's where he chooses to be found. So brothers and sisters, it's not that we just go out to serve the poor because it's a decent thing to do, even though it's a good thing to do. But our motivation as Christians is much different We go because that's where our king is. And we go to serve him there. That's why we go. 
This is where our translation fails us here. The Romans, they had a great phrase, traditore, traditore. The translator is a traitor. Because we hear this in our gospel, the translation at least. Whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers, you did for me. But if you get into biblical Greek, I was doing some study with it this week. There's a dative case in there, which I will not bore you with that detail. But the detail is significant because instead of saying whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers, you did for me, a better translation, and really I think the only allowable translation is this. Whatever you did to one of the least of my brothers, you did to me. That's how closely our king associates himself with the poor. Not, you did it for them, you did it for me. No, you did it to them, and you did it to me. When we go and serve the poor, we're not just doing something for them, and we're not just doing something for Jesus. Our Lord, our king, the one we serve, said, when you do it to them, you do it to me. That's why everything, our eternal salvation, depends on how we serve. Who we serve. We serve Jesus by serving those in need. And to our great peril, if we don't, if we don't serve those in need, then we don't enter into the kingdom. Because we don't serve the one who is the king. And the only way to be in the kingdom is to serve the one who is the king. Brothers and sisters, all our prayer, us being here tonight, all our worship, all our private reflection is meant to sensitize us to the presence of the king. It's meant to sensitize us to him so we don't miss him. And he's found especially in two areas, in the Eucharist and in the poor found this phrase from someone commenting. He said, the Eucharist and the poor are where Christ has made himself uniquely present, whether I or anyone else acknowledge this truth or not. I love that last part. The Eucharist and the poor are where Christ has made himself uniquely present, whether I or anyone else acknowledge that truth or not. See, if nobody acknowledges that Jesus is really and truly present in the Eucharist, that doesn't make him less really or truly present. He's objectively there. And my brothers and sisters, he's objectively there in our poor brothers and sisters. He's uniquely there. That's why we go to them. That's why we must. And if we neglect them, we do so to our own peril. See, we serve our King as we worship and receive him in the Eucharist. And then, if we receive him rightly, then we'll be sent out to go serve all those in need, especially those who are most poor, materially, spiritually. We're called to do that. Everything hinges on that. Everything. Our salvation hinges on that. This was a Another quote from a, a good scriptural commentator. He said, The real presence of Christ, the divine king, in both the ordinary nakedness of the bread and the suffering nakedness of the needy will be a terrible judgment 
to those who deliberately blind themselves to that hidden presence. I'm reminded of a story. Do you know the late, great Cardinal Francis George of Chicago? Great man. He, I always called him the American Ratzinger. Just an incredible, incredible priest, incredible man of God. He was the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago. And he had a huge heart for the poor. And so he was doing what Cardinal Archbishops have to do in Chicago. He was raising money for the poor. And so he had all these wealthy people at the seminary in Mundelein. All these very rich people, generous rich people. And so he's talking to them and thanking them. And, and he said this line. He, wanted, he, thanked, he thanked them for coming and for being so generous. And he said, the poor need you to keep them out of poverty. Then he said this. And you need the poor to keep you out of hell. Right? It's a man who understood. The poor need us to keep them out of poverty, but we need them to keep us out of hell. And if you disagree with me, read this gospel, Matthew 25, the end judgment, the last judgment. Back to this quote. Commentator goes on, at the same time, so there's a terrible judgment if we ignore the poor and we miss the hidden presence of Jesus there. At the same time, It will be a source of unsurpassable joy to those who recognize and embrace it. The vital nourishment of our souls, the Eucharist, does not come to us as we live in inert passivity. It requires that we go forth from our confinements with wildly outflung arms and flaming hearts to receive our broken Lord. We receive our Lord rightly, We go out from here with wildly outflung arms and flaming hearts, ready to find him in our brothers and sisters in need, ready to serve our king there. That's why we come to Mass. That's what moves us. The Eucharist is meant to move us. See, Jesus Christ, the king of the universe, that's what he is. He is the king of the universe. He moves toward us in the Eucharist. And that movement is meant to take us and lift us up, catch us and send us forth as we go forth, as we move. Now animated by his love, animated by his grace, his goodness, his mercy, we go out and we find how we can meet him again. Not in the Eucharist this time, but in our brothers and sisters who are in need, in the ones who aren't here. As we do that, That is how the kingdom is built. When we pray, thy kingdom come, that is how the kingdom is established on this earth. It happens first here as we receive him tonight. And then it happens again as we go forth. One concrete thing for us all tonight. If you come forward to receive Jesus tonight, and you don't have to. You don't have to receive him tonight. But if you come forward to receive him in the Eucharist tonight, consider this and consider it strongly. Commit. If you come forward to receive Jesus in the Eucharist tonight, commit to one concrete act of service to the poor this week. One thing. You can pray about who the poor are because there's materially poor people, there's spiritually poor people, there's relationally poor people. 
You decide. You decide who you want to serve and what you want to do. But if you come forward to receive Jesus tonight, you should commit. Because that's what it means to receive him who is our king and to serve him. And to do that, to receive him and to serve him is what we're here for. It's what we're made for. We have a God who loves us so much that the one who is the king of the universe will hide himself under what looks like bread and wine to give all of himself to us. May that love and that desire to serve that is present in his heart stir a fire in us and send us forth from here to find him again, to serve him again, to serve our king as we serve the poor.